Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. We're also going to be in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. And we'll start in Mark, then we'll go to Luke. So if you want to hold your, hold your place in both of those places... Before we start, I'd, I would like to encourage us as a, as a church, as believers, to be in prayer uh, for our country, for our nation. Um, it's, it's no, no surprise, or I mean, it, it's, it's shocking what happened this, this week with the different things that passed. Um, but our, our country needs, needs prayer, and um, we're the ones, believers, um, who should be doing that? Um, so I want to challenge you as individuals to be to be in prayer for our nation and the de- future decisions that are to be made and and whatever is going to happen uh, with our country. Um, let Let's just be in prayer for our country. Um, to our text this morning, uh, starting in Mark chapter three. Uh, what we're going to see is, is we're going to take a look this morning at Jesus selecting the 12 apostles. And as we read, you'll see that. And, and um, there's some options when looking at this passage where we can quickly just run over it. We can move on to the next passage of Scripture. Um, or we can, we can break it down. We could take weeks. We could take months, honestly, discussing the different apostles and, and what's going on and what happened and what they did and who they were. And this morning, what I would like to do is, it's kind of a brief overview. It'll still probably take the normal 30 minutes or so. Um, but we're going to look at the details of the passage. We're going to kind of familiarize ourselves with, ourselves with the different apostles, at least with some information about them. Um, and we'll just get this overview. And there's some challenging stuff in this passage where we could just glance at it and say, yeah, there's a bunch of names. I already know those guys. Memorized the song when I was a kid. You know, I'm good on that. But I think if we'll take our time, if we'll look at these men, we, we can see Jesus calling a group of men who 11 out of the 12 were extremely committed to Christ. They gave their whole lives to Him, um, literally. They ended up dying for the cause of Christ. Um, so let's look, at, let's look at our text this morning, Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went out into a house. Then turn over into Luke chapter 6. Starting in verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, 
and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Did you see a theme about Judas in there? He was known as the one that betrayed Christ, and then as we were in Luke, he's known as the traitor. So just interesting. And then we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's pray, and then we'll, we'll break down these verses uh, one at a time. Dear Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we do have the freedom um, in this country to, to worship you. I pray that you will be with our nation, with, with what we're facing now and the choices that are being made. I pray that you will just help us, that you will be with us, that you will uh, work in the whole situation with all that's going on. I pray that you will be with us now, Father, as we take some time to study your word and, and see what, what you have for us uh, in these verses this morning. I pray that you'll just give us understanding. I pray that our focus will be on you and who you are. I pray that we will not just go through the motions today, that we won't just come to church to check it off of our list of things that we should do, but that we will be here out of a heart of integrity, that we will, that we will seek you, that we will praise you, that we will honor you. I pray that you'll bless our time together this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> In verse number 12, the, the first part of the verse, and it came to pass in those days. Now that can be quickly read over as well. But I want us to take a minute here, I want us to think about what's going on here, because what were those days? It's important, it's written down, and it came to pass in those days... What were those days? What was going on in these days that would prompt what's about to happen or that would lead into the scenario of Jesus choosing the apostles? What is going on? Those are important questions uh, that I think need to be answered here because Jesus is about to take a big step in His earthly ministry. It says, in those days... What was going on in those days? We've been studying it verse by verse. We've been following the steps of Christ for I don't know, a long time now. Months and months we've been going through this thought of following the steps of Christ. We understand the context. Let's think about it. What was going on in those days? What is happening that is now going to prompt what Jesus is about to do? What have we been seeing a lot of lately in the past few weeks in our text. We've been seeing hatred and persecution of Christ. Have you noticed that? It's, it's been picking up. It's been amplifying. His fame is spreading. People are coming to see the show, coming to see what He has to do, what He has to say. But the hate is also picking up. The hate is spreading. The conflict with the scribes and the Pharisees is picking up. And that's what we see leading into the, the context of these verses. Turn back to chapter 5 of Luke. I just want to show you this idea of the scribes and the Pharisees and the conflict picking up. Uh, look at verse 17. 
And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come, out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So we have a gathering. We have scribes and Pharisees coming. They were coming to see the show of Jesus, not coming necessarily to buy into what He had to say or to His message, but they were coming to see what He would do. Look down to verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? We can see their rejection. We can see their hatred. Look down to verse 30. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Who do you eat and drink with, or sorry, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Look to chapter 6, verse number 2. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? So we see the scribes, we see the Pharisees keeping an eye out for Jesus, keeping an eye out for his disciples, trying to catch him up so that they can bring more accusations, bring more persecution against him. Look down to verse number 7. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Why were they watching to see if he would heal on the Sabbath? So they could fall down and worship him? No. They were looking to accuse him. They were looking for a reason to persecute him, to put him to death. Look at verse 11. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. And we see in the other synoptic passages where they met together, they had this meeting together with what they could do to Jesus, how they could kill Jesus, how they could persecute Jesus. So that is what's coming on here. They would not kill Him yet for about two years, but we see that this, this hate this hostility was growing towards Jesus. With that in mind, we get to verse number 12, and it came to pass in those days. It came time for Jesus to select the 12 apostles that would lead, that would continue His earthly ministry after His death. The time of His death was drawing near. The time of His ascension was drawing near. So he's going to select 12 to carry on his ministry. They would need some close, intense training during the time Jesus had left with them. Right? Jesus was going around. He was ministering now. Disciples, groups of disciples were following him. Some were real. Some were legit. Some were not. Some just were trying to see what was going on. But Jesus was going to narrow that down to 12 specific Apostles. There would still be people following him, don't get me wrong, but there was 12 men that he was going to invest in in close proximity. I mean, they were together, it seems like, almost every minute of every day. They had a very important job to do. Jesus came to this earth and he died. He shed his blood to pay for sins. He rose again from the dead. He's going to ascend to heaven and He is going to need this, this group of people to pass this message on, to pass this, this covenant on, this, this salvation by grace. He's going to need leaders to lead this church, to lead, to lead this movement. So He has these the men He's going to select with a very important job to do. I mean, that's, that's a large job. 
to pass on, to continue on what Jesus had started to implement, that's a big job. They needed some close training with Jesus. So that is the scene we are entering into, and it's time for Jesus to select, it's time for Jesus to ordain the men that will carry on after His death. So notice what Jesus does. Because it helps put this whole thing um, in perspective. It came time for Him to choose the twelve. So He went, and it came to pass in those days, that He went out into a mountain to pray. So Jesus has a big decision to make. Twelve men to choose. What do we find Him doing right before He chooses those twelve? He separates Himself to pray. This isn't the only time He does this. Uh, we see it in, in Luke 5, verse 16. He separates Himself to pray. Do you find that interesting? That Jesus, all-knowing, almighty God in the flesh, placed a priority on prayer, on communion with His Father, so much so that He was going to separate Himself from those following Him, where He was going to spend some time in prayer. We're talking about Jesus making it a priority to pray. Here He is about to make a huge decision, and He separates Himself to pray. Now there's a lot that can be said right there. Um, we, we could spend a month of messages on the, the thought that we just looked at. Think about, do you think about me? We don't know everything. We don't have everything figured out. Do we see a priority? Do we see an importance on communicating with God in prayer? Do, do we see that importance in our lives of talking with God? Do we go to our Father? Do we talk with Him? Do we spend time with Him? How often do we try to figure it out on our own? I mean, let's be real here. Because we're at this part in the passage where we see Jesus placing a priority on prayer, and we see Him making it a priority to speak with the Father about some important stuff here. <clears throat> it was a priority to Jesus to spend time in communication with God. I mean, shouldn't there be some priority in our life of us who don't have it all figured out, but we think we do, and then we get ourselves into trouble? Um, Jesus places a priority on communication with the Father. Notice how serious He was about speaking to His Father. And continued all night in prayer to God. So he didn't just quickly throw out a prayer, hey, i got to pick some apostles here. Who should I pick? We have him spending all night communicating with the Father. He continued all night in prayer to God. You know what that means even when you look back and you study the Greek? He prayed all night. He spent all night in prayer. Literally all night. Do you think He placed a priority and importance on communicating with His Father? Absolutely. We know that He was always about His Father's business. He was always doing the will that His Father had for Him. 
And we see him here spending a whole night praying, speaking with his father. Can you imagine, though? He was with the father, speaking with the father, but could you imagine what was, what was said? The communication that went on in a whole night of Jesus speaking with the father? That, that's an incredible scene, an incredible thought. He spent all night in prayer unto God. Then, when it was day, verse 13 says, He called unto Him His disciples. A disciple is a student, it's a follower, it's a learner. Um, so there was those people who were following Christ. He gathered that group of people together that had been following Him. And I wonder how many there were in this group. And you say, there's 12, don't you know the kids' song? There were 12 disciples. There were more than 12 disciples here that were following Jesus. He calls this group together. I wonder what, what this group looked like. I try to picture this scene of Jesus who had just got done praying. You know, the sun's coming up. It's daytime. He calls all, all of His disciples back. Okay, I'm ready for you guys. Come here, I have something to, to say to you. I wonder the excitement with the disciples, like Jesus was just communicating with God. I wonder what He has for us. I wonder what's about to happen. He gets His disciples together, and then, look at verse 13, He chose twelve whom He also named apostles. So out of those disciples, He picks, handpicks twelve who were apostles, who were specific, sp specifically sent ones is what an apostle means. They had a specific job. Jesus had picked 12 specific men to be apostles. These men would be sent out. They would have unique authority. These men had different social and economic backgrounds. They had different hometowns. It's not like these guys were all, all best friends necessarily. They all came from the same family. Some of them were brothers. But they came from different places, different jobs, different occupations, different walks of life, different political views for that matter. Jesus calls them together. And they had at least one thing in common, that they were devoted to Jesus and to the work that He called them to do. Notice what He called them to do. Remember Mark chapter 3, we just looked at it, verses 14 and 15. And He ordained twelve that they should be with Him and that He might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. So he calls these 12 apostles and he gives them specific purpose, specific power. They're going to preach, they're going to spread the gospel, and then they're going to have special gifts and abilities to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Jesus would train these men, Jesus would mentor these men, Jesus would develop these men to go out and reach the world with the gospel. They had a very big, important job to do. They had a job that was not very easy. And we'll see as we look at each apostle how their life ended up. Uh, most of them ended up and they were martyrs. They were killed for their faithfulness to Christ. They had a job that was not easy. They had a job that they were specifically called to by Jesus. 
How do you think these 12 men felt? If we try to get into some emotions here of, of what they would have been feeling. What do you think it was like? I mean, think about what had just happened. Jesus called these disciples, this group of disciples. Then he starts picking out 12. I want you and you and you. And do you think there was some excitement there? Do you think there was some anticipation? Like, what, is, what does Jesus have for me? Why is he, what is he calling me to that I'm one of these 12? Imagine your name being called. I mean, that's a pretty incredible thing. Or your name not being called. Out of all the disciples, Jesus chose 12 to be apostles. And he chose 12 real life men with real life struggles. And that's what I want us to think about a little bit this morning. Is that these apostles were by no means superhuman, perfect individuals with no flaws or problems. We've already seen that they have problems. And as we continue to follow them, as they follow Christ, we'll see that the Scripture doesn't hide their flaws. We'll see them have, have pride and fear and doubt and, and struggles and concerns. Jesus chose them. Yes, they were normal, common men. But Jesus chose them, and Jesus would use them to change the world. In spite of their flaws, in spite of their difficulties, Jesus would use them. Isn't that an encouraging thought? Because who of us in this room is, is perfect? If you raise your hand, you're a liar, so you're not perfect. <laughs> encouraging thought that we can be used by God. So let's, let's look at these 12 men briefly. Uh, look at them as individuals. Uh, just get to know a little bit about them. There are 12 apostles. There are also 12 tribes of Israel's, or 12 tribes of Israel. So if you're wondering what's the significance there, there's a whole lot of significance there, which we don't have time to discuss this morning, but there is a significance to Jesus choosing 12 apostles. Um, you can find this list in multiple places in Scripture. You can find it in Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, Mark 3, 16 through 19, Acts 1, 13, and then you can find it here in Luke. And you can see a pattern, you can see an order in the names as you study them, as you research who are these apostles. You can see an order in their names. You'll notice Peter is always the first mentioned. You will notice that some offers, authors will use different names for different apostles. Um, for the same, they were the same men, they just used different names. Um, interesting study, if you have time to do a study on the apostles, uh, you'll learn whole bunch of interesting things. Uh, first off, let's look at Simon, whom he also named Peter. Simon, Jesus gave him the name Peter, which means a rock or a stone. Peter was the, the leader of the apostles. Think about what you know about Peter. We, we know a lot of information about Peter. We know that he would speak when he shouldn't be speaking or jump to conclusions or say things he necessarily shouldn't be saying, we know that, that he had struggles. Uh, we probably know more about Peter than any of the others. Um, Simon Peter, he had those, those two names. 
when he would need correction, Jesus would call him Simon. That's an interesting study if you want to look at that. And you wonder if, if Peter got to the place where he was like, man, Jesus, please don't call me Simon. You know, he just keeps getting corrected for stuff. Just please call me. Please, please address me as Peter after I just made that decision. And, and we can see Jesus being able to use his name to correct him. Um, Peter was martyred. Um, it's believed that he was crucified upside down. Um, he had his issues, but God used him mightily. And we could spend weeks discussing Peter. But that's Simon Peter briefly. Um, then we have, and when it was, sorry, verse 14, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother. So Andrew was Peter's brother. He was from Bethsaida, moved to Capernaum. He shared a house and a fishing business with Peter. Um, he actually brought Simon Peter to Jesus. Hey, Peter, I met Jesus. You need to come meet Him. You can read that in John 1.41. Isn't that interesting? Yet we don't know very much about Andrew. When we examine Andrew's life, we can see that he had a passion for bringing people to Jesus. And you can find several instances where he brings people to Jesus. Andrew was martyred as well. It's believed he was crucified for bringing a governor's wife to Jesus. So, he's martyred. Next, we have James, the son of Zebedee. He was a fisherman. We don't know much about him either. He was present with Peter and John at the transfiguration of Jesus. He was known as a son of thunder. So, pretty neat nickname, the son of thunder. Um, he was zealous and he was passionate for the Lord. Uh, one story we have from him is in Luke 9. Um, there were some Samaritans rejecting Jesus, and James offered to call down fire from heaven to destroy them for rejecting Jesus. You can see that he was zealous for Jesus. Jesus calms him down and he reminds them that Jesus didn't come to destroy lives but to save them. You can read that in verse 55 of Luke 9. You can see that he was zealous for the Lord. James was also martyred, and it's believed that he was beheaded. Uh, then we have John. Uh, we have a lot of information about John. Um, he's a disciple whom Jesus loved. Probably what he is most famous for, which that's a good thing to be known for, the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, he would have been included in part of what was known as the inner circle of Christ, uh, the three closest disciples to Christ. Um, he was also a son of thunder. John had a passion for truth. He uses the word 46 times in his writings, in the books that he wrote in the Bible. John can be characterized by courage, by ambition, by drive, by passion, by boldness, and a strong devotion to the truth. He also recognized the importance of love. So he had a balance of, of love and of truth. He used the word love more than 100 times in his writings. If you're familiar with his writings, you'll read the word love in there. Um, he was believed, it's believed that he was the last apostle to die and that he was not necessarily martyred. Uh, into verse 14, we see Peter. His name means lover of horses. So, just throwing that out there. Um, he was from Bethsaida as well. He was probably a fisherman. Uh, we don't know very much about him. We do know that Jesus called him 
and he followed. And you can read that story in John 1, 43-45. He also introduced Nathaniel to Jesus, which would be one of the apostles. He's um, written as Bartholomew um, in this passage. So Nathaniel, same as Bartholomew. Um, it's believed that Philip was also martyred. Looking at Bartholomew, we know seriously almost nothing about Bartholomew. All we have is First John one, or sorry, John one forty-five through fifty-one, and he stayed faithful to Christ to his death. It's believed that he was martyred in Armenia, and listen to this: the legend of him is it's believed that he was skinned alive and then crucified. So we see these men, and we don't know a whole lot about them. But we do know that they were devoted, they were committed to Christ to the point of possibly being skinned alive and then crucified. That's high level of commitment there. Then we see Matthew, uh, the author of Matthew. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about him. Um, his writing reveals him to be humble and content to remain in the background. So he was faithfully committed to Christ, but it seems that he stayed in the background. Um, he was a tax collector working for Rome until he met Jesus. And we spent a whole sermon talking about Matthew where he would have been a, a crook, robbing from people, making a lucrative income. But he met Jesus, and what did he do? He left everything. He gave all that he had to Jesus until the end. And he was martyred as well. Then we have Thomas. What, what's Thomas famous for? Doubting Thomas. Unless I see, I won't believe. John 20, 25. He had a love for Christ. He appears to be extremely pessimistic. His nickname is Doubting Thomas. Um, it's believed that he took the Gospel to India where he was martyred. And it's believed that he was thrust through with the spear. So it's kind of interesting where he wouldn't believe in, in Christ until he felt the imprints, and yet he was punctured through with a, with a spear. Then we have James, the son of Alphaeus. Um, pretty much what we know about him is we know that his father's name was Alphaeus. Um, it's believed that he was crucified in Egypt, but what do we know? He was a faithful servant of the Lord. Then we have Simon the Zealot. The Zealot part of his name gives indication that he was a member of the radical Jewish Zealots. Um, political radicals passionately devoted to the law of God. They were violently opposed to any intrusion upon it. So before Simon would have met Jesus, him and Matthew would have not got along. He would have been to the point where he would have probably tried to kill Matthew because he was working for Rome. But with Jesus, Jesus calling them to a purpose, they worked together to accomplish a goal. Jesus got a hold of Simon and changed his life. Uh, we're not sure where he ministered, but it's believed that he was martyred, that he was either crucified or that he was sawn in two. I mean, just thinking about the deaths that these apostles had is just heartbreaking but also it's encouraging to see their faithfulness to the death. Then we have Judas, the son of James, also known as Thaddeus. He was a faithful 
faithfully served Jesus, then it's believed he was martyred as well. Then we have Judas Iscariot. He needs no introduction. Um, he was known as a traitor. But think about this. He looked like an apostle. He acted like an apostle. And he followed like an apostle. But he was a traitor. He's the one that betrayed Christ. The one that sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He sold out. And he wasn't martyred. His death was committing suicide. And he will forever be remembered as the one that betrayed Jesus. And it's recorded of him in both these in instances that he was the one that betrayed Christ and that he was a traitor. That's the legacy that he left. Sad, sad thought. Sad words in Scripture. And what we see is, I know it, it's a lot, of, a lot of details. We see a lot of different information about different men. But what we see is we see ordinary men with ordinary struggles and problems. But God used them in a great way to accomplish great things. I mean, we are testimonies here today of what God used them to do. They passed the gospel message on. And a few thousand years later, we're still here. These men followed Christ in obedience. They gave their lives, but in giving their lives, they changed the world. They were extremely committed. At least 11 of the 12. So as we think about this, as we see this, this list of men in these details, and it probably felt like you were sitting in school again today, hearing, hearing facts about men and who they were. Like we're going to have a vocab test and discussion group. But I want us to see, through this even limited information, the commitment level that these men have. And I hope that it impacted you in some way, thinking of people who would give their lives to the death for Christ, for what He had for them. And then I want to ask us, are we committed to Christ? Sure, we're, we're not apostles. We weren't one of the twelve chosen here in this passage. But what's our commitment level to Christ? Is it surface? Is it, is it superficial? Do we look like? Do we act like? Do we follow like on the surface? Because you know which apostle that was. I know that's kind of real. What's our commitment level to Christ? And I understand the apostles were called at a special time to a special purpose. But I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every single person in this room. Are we committed to that? Are we committed to what He has for us? I think it's a real, I think it's an important, I think it's an honest honest question that we need to examine. Um, let's, let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you uh, for these 
verses that we could look at this morning. I thank you for um, the examples that were left for us. I thank you for the way that you you work, the way that, that you design this, your salvation plan, for the way that you died, the way that you rose again, the way that you shed your perfect blood for us. Um, and then and then you allow us to, to share that message with other people. I pray that you'll help us to be committed to you. I pray that we'll be um, faithful in following you. Um, I know that you can use each and every one of us. I pray that you'll work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together.